For those of you who I don't know, my name's Cam Stewart. Um, I attend here, and uh, I, get the, <laughs> I get the privilege to share God's Word with you tonight. Um, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. Very humbled, uh, even as we were preparing for this and went through pre-service, uh, like three or four different people said, I pray that, uh, I'm praying to God, that God would speak through me, and um, I'm going to pray that as well before we start, but that is, that's a wild concept that that could actually happen, right? That like even uh, as, as Liz was praying, that the Holy Spirit is here, that God gave us that as a gift, and that he, is, he wants to do something in your heart, that he wants to encourage you, challenge you, convict you, bring you home to himself, um, and hopefully speak through his word. Uh, I don't have a lot of great stuff to share, but um, his word is perfect, and so that's where we're going to spend a lot of time um, on tonight. So before we pray, though, I just want to say uh, happy Father's Day. Shout out to the dads. Yeah? Yeah, Ryan? Cheers. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, um, I know that, uh, you know, maybe you had an incredible dad, maybe you had a not-so-incredible dad, or somewhere in between. Um, and as I was thinking about it, uh, is one of my good friends, Scott Caldwell, texted me when I first had, when we first had Carson, and I was holding tiny baby Carson in my arms for the first day, and he texted and said, congratulations, the way you look at her is the way God looks at you. Um, and so, yeah, just hope that for Father's Day that you would remember that, that, that we have a, a God in heaven um, who loves us very, very much, and celebrate other dads too, but God's, God's the best one. Um, okay, now I am going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to jump into the Bible. Jesus, thank you so much for how good you are. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that your word is perfect and true. Um, God, thank you that all of the, the answers to life's questions can be found in it. Thank you that it is um, it's comforting. Thank you that it's encouraging. Thank you that it's challenging. Thank you that it, it literally changes us. And, and we, we pray that that would happen tonight, God, that through the pictures of you that we look at, that our hearts would be changed, that our hearts would grow more uh, to be like you, and that it would not just be... Um, for the next couple of minutes in here, but that it really would impact and change our life um, outside these walls. So we give you this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight we're continuing our series in the gospel. Gospel means the good news. Yeah, it's good news. Um, and uh, when we were preparing for this whole message, Will texted me and said, hey man, you have justification, sanctification, and salvation. So those are, my, those are my topics. Yeah, we're going to cover them in the next four minutes, and then we'll be done. Um, it's a short sermon. I'm just kidding. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, justification, sanctification, the gospel, um, and I'm excited about it. So justification, what does it mean to be justified? Uh, we're going to look uh, at Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 16. I'm, we're going to be all over the place in your Bible, so just get ready. Um, Romans 5 is where we'll start, starting in verse 16. It says this, Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act 
resulted in justification and life for all people. And so that's that, the idea of justification is that we are made right with God through Jesus' work on the cross, through the perfect person of Jesus. That we are justified, that we are made right. That, that last 18, we, you just highlight that, underline it, if you uh, need to, to know what justification is. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, it's talking about Adam and Eve in the garden, Condem- the, 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 um, the trespass of turning their back on God, so also one righteous act, Jesus' perfect life and perfect death on the cross, resulted in justification and life for all people. So justification is us being made right with God, that we need to be perfect to be with a perfect God, and we are all not perfect. And therefore, we get to, because Jesus lived the perfect life and died on the cross, that we get to take his record and not ours. That's justification. Then we get this other big word, awesome, sanctification. And sanctification is the process after we have been justified with Christ, with God, that we get to grow in our living with Jesus. And we get to become more and more like Jesus, more and more holy. Um, Paul talks about it like this in Philippians chapter 3. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Um, So right before this, if you just look up in your Bible or scroll up if you're on an uh, iPhone, um, that he said basically whatever's to my profit, basically everything in life is nothing compared to Jesus, compared to knowing Jesus. And then he takes like a little aside here in verse 12 and is like, oh, no, no, I haven't figured that all out. I'm not 100% there, but that's where I'm headed. I want, to, I want to be able to say in all of life that whatever's to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So there's this idea of we've, we're being made right with God and then we're constantly being in, the, in the, uh, the active being made right with God and being made more holy, more like him. But what I love about Scripture is that uh, there are so many different viewpoints that we can look at the same story, right? Genesis to Revelation is God's redemption for all of us, for the entire world. And, um, and you can get little snapshots from different people, different types of writing. There's poetry, there's stories. Even in this building, we get sirens too during the sermon. It's incredible. Um, and, uh, but there, there's so many different uh, vantage points that you can look at what is the gospel and what, is, what does justification mean? What does sanctification mean? And uh, these theological terms that we throw out, a lot of times I think we, um, we like to overcomplicate things. And they could be, as, as um, Will read, that passage of Colossians 1 or, you know, the, any, throw out any big theological term, we could spend months and months and years trying to dive into the intricacies and the depth of what it means of Emmanuel, God with us. That God came from heaven down to earth. That's a crazy concept. But we can also look at the picture of Jesus. Thank God we can actually look at his life and we can see what these mean fleshed out in our lives. Um, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He did not say, hey, you have to study all these really deep, deep theological terms in order to find me. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'm not saying it's bad to study these things and to go deep in the text, but there, there's, something, there's something beautiful in the simplicity of the gospel. Um, I have a, a quote that I want to share that I love that a guy who mentored me in college shared all the time. I thought it was C.S. Lewis who said it. Rob thinks it's G.K. Chesterton. 
I Googled it and I can't find it. So we'll never know who said it, but it's good. Spurgeon. Did you say Spurgeon? I thought you said Chesterton. Well, now we've got another one. It could be Spurgeon also. Um, it says this, the gospel is shallow enough for a baby to play in and deep enough to drown an elephant. And the good news of Jesus, of, of justification, sanctification, salvation, all of that together is that, that it's, it's easy, right? A, a little baby could play in it, but also we get to explore it for the rest of our lives. That, is, that there is a depth and a richness to it that we can study for the rest of our lives. And so tonight, like we sang, we're going to turn our eyes to Jesus. We're going to look at three snapshots. Oh, I didn't start my timer. Yeah, I, yeah. I got, yep, that was, yeah, now we've got 45 minutes. I'm just, um, just kidding. But we're going to look at three snapshots of Jesus. And um, they're all very different scenarios, very different situations, very different people that he is interacting with. Uh, and I think there's a really cool thread that we can pull out about the idea of the way that Jesus communicated the gospel to people. Um, way better than I can, so that's why we're looking at that. We're going to start in, uh, I'm going to say this probably about all three, but one of my favorite chapters of Scripture, John chapter 8, flip back over there, or forward, I forget where we were last, John chapter 8, starting in verse 2, it says this, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Real quick aside, this has very little to do with what I'm talking about, but don't let people tell you that, uh, that Jesus was boring. Um, every story, it'll start with a bunch of people wanting to be around him. Um, so I think we do him a disservice when, when we make things boring, so let's not do that. Carrying on. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They're using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Okay, so this, this woman... Caught in the act of adultery, they bring her out into the, the public. She's, I can't imagine, just full of shame, guilt, all of those things. Don't know where the man is in this scenario, but they probably didn't care. Um, they are using her to try to tra- trap Jesus. They're saying, hey, Moses said to stone this type of person. So Jesus either has to say, Moses was wrong, don't stone her, or let's stone her and murder this woman in the middle of the town square. And as only Jesus could do, Instead of answering the question, he bends down and starts to write on the ground with his finger. Would love to know what he was drawing or writing. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, so he's talking to the crowd now, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stoops back down, starts to write on the ground again. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Then the only words the woman speaks in the whole passage, No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I love just those last, those last couple of sentences. Where are they? Has anyone condemned you? No one, sir. Go now, leave your life of sin. Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to go next. We're going to read all of these and then, and then pull the thread. Luke chapter 8, that would be to the left. Starting in verse 26. 
they sailed again to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? So I don't know about you, when you picture the people that Jesus hung out with, these are the types of people Jesus hung out with. Let's read that one more time. Let's just not gloss over this. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time he had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but lived in the tombs. He goes on to say this, For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken the chains and he had been driven by the demon into the solitary places. So people, to try to protect this man from himself, have tried to chain him up and he would just break the chains. And he was living out on the outskirts of town, demon-possessed, not wearing any clothes. Just, just an insane picture, like the stuff of movies. But this is just, this is just another day in, in the life of Jesus. Jesus asked him, I love this. <laughs> There's a lot of things I would ask that are not this. <laughs> Jesus goes, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off, reported this in town and countryside, And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. So there's a lot of details in this story that we're just going to gloss right over. We'll cover those in another sermon uh, when we continue um, through the Gospel of Matthew. I think we'll we'll cover this. Cool. Um, So we're not going to talk about the demons and the pigs running down the the bank and drowning themselves. But... um, Big picture, Jesus gets on a boat, goes across a giant lake slash sea, depending on the translation, Sea of Galilee, and interacts with this demon-possessed man that no one wanted to be with, puts him in his right mind, and then he says, can I please come with you? He says, no, go, just go tell everyone what, what just happened. Just go tell everyone in your hometown what has just happened. Okay, last story. This is my favorite chapter. I know I said that once already, but this is it. John chapter 21 So this is uh, the second great catch of fish. The disciples, this is after Jesus died. The disciples don't really know what to do, so they go and fish. And, um, and they're not catching anything, similar to the first time that, that Jesus called the disciples. And so Jesus is on the beach making breakfast. I love to picture Jesus on the beach making me breakfast. Um, and he, he says, throw the net on the other side, the same thing that he, he said once before. They all kind of realize it's him. They run over, and uh, they, they get to, he says, come and have breakfast. And then there's this, this incredible conversation that he has with Peter. 
And the last time that he talked to Peter, he said, Peter, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter said, absolutely not. That won't happen. And that's exactly what happened. And so this is, this is how it goes, starting in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said it to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. So he asks, uh, he asks Peter three times, do you love me? Of course, yes, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. And um, what I love about these stories is Jesus' communication of the gospel has both a, a reconciliation, a justification, and then a call to the life that they were actually to live. That we were all created to live a life with Jesus, that, we were, that the gospel would get deep down in our hearts and in our minds and in everything that we do, that that's what we're called to do. For the woman caught in adultery, he says, then neither do I condemn you, right? There's the justification. There's no condemnation from the God of the universe. The only person that actually could condemn her, he says, no, then neither do I, but also go leave your life of sin. Also, go live the life that you were created to live, that you, are, that you are better than that, that you are called to live a holy, righteous life. That's not the other, that Jesus didn't say, hey, before I let you know if I condemn you or not, clean up yourself. He makes her right. He reinstates her the same, kind of the same way he does with Peter. Neither do I condemn you. Go now, leave your life of sin. The sec- Ooh, sorry about that. The second one, demon-possessed man. He, he puts him literally in his right mind, that he is... And the guy is sitting at the feet of Jesus, that the relationship has been restored. This guy hasn't had a relationship in who knows how long because he's been cast out into the tombs. Jesus restores that relationship, makes him right with himself, and then he says, I'd like to come with you, Jesus. And he says, no, 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 go. You were meant to go and tell people. Right? This guy, he doesn't say, again, he doesn't say, hey, you actually should go to seminary right now and you should read a bunch of books before you tell anyone about Jesus. <laughs> Uh, no shade at seminary. I've taken seminary classes. They're awesome. But there is no level of knowledge here from this guy. This demon-possessed man, the only thing he knows is, I was demon-possessed. Now I'm not. Jesus did this for me. I'm just going to go tell everybody about Jesus. Similar to the, um, is it Blind Bart? Blind Bart that just says, people, they, the Pharisees start asking, what happened, what happened? He's like, I don't know. I was blind and now I see. That guy did it. That's all I got. And then the third one, Peter, do you love me? Yes, do you love me? Yes. There's this forgiveness, this reconciliation, this making right with Jesus, and at the same time, go feed my sheep. Not literal sheep. Jesus wasn't walking around with a bunch of sheep, but that he's talking about his people, right? Go and feed, go and teach, go and um, make my disciples to the ends of the earth. That there's, there's this coupling of justification and sanctification. Being made right, and a call to live a life that they were created to live. That's, that's the gospel. That's what we get to call people, right? It's, it's not just justification. Hey, you're, you are sinful. God can make you not sinful. Now you're good. Right? That, that is partially true. That is true. There is much more to that. There is a call to live the life that you were created to live. And I, I think a lot of times in Christianity, we separate justification, right? The time that you have come to faith. 
whether you prayed a prayer or said something to Jesus in, in, in your heart or you raised a hand or, or whatever you did, there's no formula to this. All three of these people came to Jesus in a different way. But whatever, that, that was your justification. And then we separate that completely. Like, oh yeah, I should probably read my Bible and do all these right things. And I just, I just love that Jesus never separates them. That, he, that he's constantly making things right with people, that he's restoring relationship, and that he's calling people to the life that they were created to live. The Old Testament talks about how eternity was placed in all of our hearts. And the, the life that you and I were supposed to be living is what we were created to live, and when we actually live that life, it's when we're living. This is a C.S. Lewis quote, I do know this. He talks about how we are promised a day at sea, but, and we are content with mud pies. We are far too easily pleased. Like we're sitting there on the, just playing with the, with the wet sand, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 the life, the life that you were created to live, out at sea, right, on adventure. Like the demon-possessed man, I can't imagine the stories that he had. He goes into the Decapolis, which means Deca, anyone? Ten? Really good job. Polis? City? Good job. Um, but the ten, so he's a, he's a missionary to ten, ten giant cities. I can't imagine the stories that he had. We, we'll, we'll figure that out at some point. Um, but that's, that's what we were created to live, is this sanctified life because we are justified together. It's not two separate things. It, it's, it's the gospel. It's the, that you are created to be restored with God and then constantly being restored. Tim Keller uh, has a quote that he, he says, I am accepted, right, the justification, therefore I obey. Not, I obey. I obey, therefore I am accepted. Right? That's not how God or Jesus works. Any, any, uh, in, in Ephesians 2, it talks about how we are dead, but God, being rich in mercy. That there's nothing that we, there's no amount of sanctification or right things that we can do to earn this justification. That it is all God, all Him, and then we get to live the life that we were created to live. Um, Again, there is no formula. <laughs> the, another, the reason, I mentioned it before, but the, the woman caught in adultery, that she says three words. If, if I were writing up a script of someone that has been forgiven by Jesus for adultery or any other sin, I would think that there would be a pretty lengthy apology or that she would have to show some, uh, some good faith or like she did the right thing or she gave some money or whatever. The only thing she says is, no one, sir. So neither do I. And just this, this free, unconditional grace that, that is extended by Jesus because of his work on the cross is available to all of us. And then sanctification is just that gospel, that love getting deep down inside of us. That it would saturate every aspect of our lives. That the unconditional love of God would be so deep in us that we would be able to share that with others. Right? That the generosity of God would be so deep down in us that we could be generous with others. That God is so forgiving, like the woman caught in adultery, or in the example of Peter, that he is so forgiving that of course we would forgive other people. That's the coupling of justification and sanctification. God has, has lavished his mercy upon us, his grace upon us, his patience with us, and, and the, the way that we get to show that to the world is sanctification. There, there's, there is no separation here. There is no separation between justification and sanctification. And I believe it's a daily thing. Right? Justification is a one-time thing. It happened on the cross. Um, 
If you have made Jesus, like we say at this church, if you have made Jesus the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, you are justified. You are made right with God. But there's also this idea that it's a daily, hourly, minutely, secondly, those aren't words, um, thing that we would be constantly being restored to God and extending his grace, mercy, and love to others. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Right? There's this constant act. It's not, a, it's not a one-time thing. Yeah, I did this when I was five. I said the right thing. Therefore, I'm good to go. That, that God constantly is calling us to himself. And, and the idea of giving our life away is the life that you, were, you and I were created to live. I'm going to wrap up with this. Uh, for the fifth time, I'll say this, my favorite passage of Scripture. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Will, I said I wasn't going to do it, and then I did it. That's not the right bookmark. It's a tiny Bible rub. Ephesians chapter 2, I think this, this encapsulates what we're talking about here um, with the gospel. And you who are dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So the, uh, the too-long-didn't-read version of that is just, we were sinful. <laughs> we were very bad. We were living by our flesh. We, we have no business being anywhere near a perfect God. Then, verse 4 happens. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, there's the justification there is there's nothing that we did that but God, being rich in mercy, extended his grace to us. That he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on our behalf. That's the justification. And then the good works that he created in advance for us to do. That you and I were created to do something in this world. To be sanctified. To live out our faith. And that God actually loves us enough to plan those out beforehand. That so there are certain things that you and I are called to do to live a gospel-saturated life. Justification and sanctification are, all, are always coupled. That we are constantly, again, constantly being made right with Jesus because of his great love for us and what Jesus did on the cross. And then in sanctification, living the life that we were called to live, that we were designed, that we were created to live.
And so as we wrap up here, just want to ask a couple of questions. If you're taking notes, maybe write some questions. I don't have cool fill-in-the-blank ones, but um, we'll, just, we'll just go with it anyway. Um, but just where, in the idea of justification, when you think of being made right with God, where do you see yourself? A lot of people can point to a time or a thing you know, that, that they prayed a prayer or accepted Christ or, or whatever the language is that you used, where do you see yourself in that? And then if you have said yes to Jesus, made him the forgiver of your sin or the leader of your life, or again, what, whatever other sentence or thing, what, what does your gospel living look like? Is that being made right with Jesus evident in the rest of your life? Is it, is it evident in the way that you spend your time? Is it evident in the way that you treat other people? Is it evident in your houses? Again, this is not so that we can all try to do better things. It's because Jesus' invitation. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I love you so much. Now live the life that you were created to live. And if you have not said yes to Jesus, if you have not said yes to the justification, um, again, all three of these, very different. All three, there, is, there is no ABC, one, two, three step formula. You don't have to pray the right thing. Um, but if that's you and, and maybe God's pulling on your heart, tugging on your heart, um, we've, we've prayed all night that the Holy Spirit actually would do something in this room. Um, and so if that's you, say yes. Say yes. Jesus, I'd like to follow you, or, or whatever words you want to put to that, and that's all it is. It's an invitation to come and be with Jesus and live the life that you were created to live. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It's not a, it's not a list of rules. That would not be good news if there was just a thousand things that you had to do correctly, but it's an invitation to live the way that you were created to live. Jesus, thank you so much for your word, for your truth, for how much you love us. God, thank you that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus, to die on our behalf. God, thank you that you made us right and that you are constantly making us right. God, I pray for everyone in this room that you would be speaking to them, that you would draw them closer to yourself that you would show us what it means to live the life that you created for us to live, that you would convict us of the areas in our life that do not look like that, and that you would encourage us in the ways in our, in our life that do. And so, again, we just pray uh, a blessing over these friends. God, I pray that your, that your word would stick, um, that, it would, that we would leave here a changed people more like you, more sanctified, and uh, we just thank you so much for loving us. In your name we pray.